Not a hot take. Not a hot take. <laughs> Controversial. A very regular take. What's up, Candy Fam? I'm Nate. That's David, and this is the Talking Candy Podcast. Each week, we're going to take a closer look at the Candy Digital MLB NFT market and tell you what stood out to us. So if at any point our passionate ramblings happen to bring you value, your like and subscribe go a long way towards helping us grow. And while David and I each hold candy collections of our own, none of this is financial advice and you should always do your own research. So David, it's good to have you here. We missed you in New York. How you doing? I'm doing good, Nate. Um, sorry I couldn't make it to the candy meetup this time, but uh, I really hope I can make it to the next one. Hopefully they'll get something on the books for that soon. Yeah, there were there were a lot of people missing you. There were a lot of people surprised that uh, that we had been on one total phone call prior to the first podcast. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just really grateful to have people listening and that there's uh, that there's some interest in this. So glad to have some people having fun with us on this. Um, so where do you wanna where do you wanna start today? Um, well, the first thing I like to look at is just the overall change in floor from one week to the next. Um, and the downward trend has continued, but the bleeding has stopped um, for the most part. Um, from last week to now, uh, we've only seen the floor price change by just over $100. Um, and that's, again, the floor price of cores, of if you were to buy one of each core of the All-Star set. Uh, just a, a marginal change from one week to the next. Um, and it, it might have been worse, but we saw some pretty big gains in terms of some cards. Um, Otani, notably, from uh, 1100 shot back up to $1,400. Um, but as far as core change from one week to the next, uh, it was pretty stable this past week. Uh, and you see that mirrored across the other rarities. Uncommon didn't move too much, down 4%. Uh, the rare floor, up about 1%. And the epic floor, down almost four, um, but pretty stable overall. Yeah, and I think that the Otani one was interesting too because I think that that just happened to be a listing that was sitting there on the floor that day. It really seems to be that the floor on him is 1400, but when those 1100, 1050 listings come in, they last for an hour or so and then somebody comes in and grabs it. So it's, uh, you know, there are always things like that that can be a little bit more deceiving than, than what meets the eye. Right. It could have just happened to be when we took our snapshot, there had been an 1100 sitting for a while. Um, that got picked up shortly after we etched it into stone. Exactly. As the, the Otani floor. Uh, so do we want um, to jump into some of the biggest sales that we saw this week? It was kind of a, it was a pretty crazy week in the marketplace, particularly on Thursday uh, mm -hmm. the, the day of the New York meetup, there were seven total sales that day that pushed up towards 20,000 amongst them. And there were also a couple huge ones earlier in the week. So let me, uh, let me pull those up here. Mm -hmm. And for those who aren't already aware, uh, many of these sales are getting shouted out on the talking candy Twitter account. So if you're not already following that one, uh, give it a follow. Uh, these these type of large sales will get brought up throughout the week, um, but we just wanted to showcase them on the podcast as well. For sure, yeah. So uh, I've got the 
Soto pulled up first and foremost. There were there were actually three sales that were hanging out at 5,500 pretty much. So we had the the Epic Soto 15 out of 30 that went for 1,500 on the 15th, and followed by that we had the 5,500 one of 30 Freeman Epic uh, also went for 5,500. There's a three-way tie for the 40th highest sale on that one along with the the Soto and a rare Otani. And then we had the 54.99 coming in a, a dollar shy of 5,500 on the Royce Lewis. This one I thought was pretty cool because I think that if somebody listed this for 7,500, it would have gone just as fast. We saw the, the 7,800 CJ Abrams happen in the first week. And so I just, you know, I'll be honest. I don't know prospects like I know the All-Stars. But it just feels like 5,500 for any one of one in this project. It seemed like it could have been listed a little bit higher to test the waters first. I agree. Um, but I also don't know enough about the prospects. I've been doing more research since the uh, Uncut Diamond set came out last October. Um, I've never really paid too much attention to minor league players. Um, but this project has kind of sparked an interest for me to stay on top of that more um at the very least uh, i've been paying more attention to uh, my own san francisco giants uh farm system and, and keeping tabs on, on their own best prospects but even just across the league um starting to pay more attention to that sort of thing uh, but just being a one of one um i think you're right i think it probably could have fetched a slightly higher price tag um, but for the person buying it it is still a risk on a prospect because a lot of that value is going to be tied into the eventual career of that player. And so Royce Lewis, if he has the kind of career we're expecting him to have, that's going to be a, a very valuable investment for the the person who picked that, picked up that legendary for 5,500. Although I do think this one, if I remember correctly, I think Lewis is hurt right now and might be out for this entire season. So again, I'm not super up on that. We'll have to fact check that. I'll, I'll call myself out in the post edit if I got that wrong. But uh, he definitely carries risk like all of the prospects. I agree. I'm a little bit more aware of my Red Sox uh, prospects. But yeah, I know the names, but I don't know the exact risk affiliated with each guy. But I think that if you're, if you're not holding it super long term, I think that any one of one in this project at that price point seems pretty attractive mm -hmm. to me if you can afford it. But that's still... It's still a nice chunk of, of money to, to put down on one card. Mm -hmm. So, and then the the last one of the the top four, and this one's a little bit tougher to see because this was uh, a graphic with a bunch of big sales that happened uh, that Thursday. But the the thirty of thirty Buster Posey epic went for thirty five hundred, and you can see some of these others in here. We had a twenty four hundred Tatis. The last graphic showed a twenty five hundred Soto rare. We had another Posey, 9 of 30, uh, go for 2,000. And then the 1 of 120 Molina Uncommon went for 1,350. So we just had a lot of big sales last week. It was it was pretty cool to see. And none of them were pushing the envelope um, in the ten dollars to $20,000 range. But these are still very healthy, nice-sized sales um, for the for that epic tier price point on some of these some of these players. Definitely. Um, all right, so should we uh, should we jump into 
the meat and potatoes here? Um, yeah. Uh, what do you got to start off? All right. What do you you're, got to you're kicking it over to me to start? Okay. So I, um, one of the things that stood out to me, uh, yeah, Brian Reynolds always, always pulled up. Um, <laughs> one of the things that, that stood out to me, and it probably stood out to you as well, was that, that we had three players went up 100% on their floor values with only a single sale. And that included the Altuve Epic, the Devers Epic, and the Wheeler Rare. Um, Devers went up 100%, Wheeler went up 110, and Altuve went up 130%. And all of these were on the back of a single sale. Mm -hmm. And Devers was one that you and I were talking about throughout the week because it was one listing in particular. So at this point, our, the floor is sitting at 4,200. But there was one listing, if we looked at our floor prices uh, from last week's podcast with, with Devers, he was sitting at, I believe, 2100 And that was right, the same listing that was just over it. Yeah. And it just crept down throughout the week. And somebody finally picked it up. And I'm glad that they did because it was tormenting me. Uh, and it <laughs> went for 171111. And it's the first one that we've seen, as you can see in this chart, first one that we've seen go since the 17th of January, which was... Uh, the Monday after opening weekend. So this is a card that people are holding on to, and for good reason. Yes, I'm a homer, but man, Devers is good. I think his MVP season is is still ahead of him. I think it's mm -hmm. he's got it in him, and I think that this was a great buy for somebody. Yeah, and um, that's just the power of what one sale can do to uh, reestablish a player's floor. Uh, we might not see any sales come through at that higher 4200 price point, but if everyone holding um, is happy to to keep their listings there, then that's what his floor is going to be until the right buyer comes along. Agreed. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely one of those situations, probably similar to the Tatis that we were talking about last week, where this is just one that people are, they're happy to hold it unless somebody wants to pay an exorbitant amount of money for it. So, and I agree, mm -hmm. I agree with that method. Um, so, all right, I'll toss it back to you. What do you, what do you got? Um, well, just in terms of total sales across all rarities, uh, we had an unlikely champion this week. Uh, that's uh, German Marquez. Uh, he sold across all rarities, 18 of his cards this week. Uh, 12 cores, three uncommons, and three rares. And so he was one of the more liquid uh, players this past week. Uh, but despite that increase in sales, uh, we have not seen uh, much change at all in his floors. Uh, his core floor started at 30, ended at 30. Uh, his uncommon floor started at 60, ended at 75. So that was a small increase. But those 60 floors... Um, pretty much across the board are short-lived. We've been seeing the uncommon floor generally closer to that 75 range that he ended at. Uh, his rare floor actually went down uh, from 135 to 115 despite those three sales. And his epic floor stayed mostly the same. So uh, he was the, as I said, the unlikely uh, leader in terms of total sales. Um, but that did not correlate to much price movement. And so I think what we're starting to see is a more hard floor um, on the cheapest of the players. And, and I think that low 30 to high 20s is about as low 
as things are going to get because people are willing to buy in larger volumes as the prices get below that. We saw those 12 core sales for Marquez and they got snatched up. And I think we'll, we'll see that across the board as well. Yeah. You and I each have, um, you know, that mindset and we know that there are plenty of people in discord that have that mindset where there's a certain price where belief in this project is enough to pick up these mm -hmm. cards and it doesn't really matter what name is attached to it when you get down that low. So I definitely agree with that, that mindset. I think that if you have the funds to do it, there's a certain basement here that once you get there, grab it and hold it and, and wait for the next big event to happen. I did want to point out that the, the, $12 rare Jermaine Marquez, uh, eight out of 60. That was, mm -hmm. that was one of the, the funnier ones there. Uh, obviously, I don't know, mistake or just complete lack of understanding. Not sure. We continue to see these from time to time and the, uh, the members of the F5 club are, are snatching them up. So congrats <laughs> to, to whoever grabbed that one. Um, and I, I think that was likely supposed to be $120. Um, they just rush through that process too quickly. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, if you're typing in the numbers really quickly to set your sale, um, you got to pause about half a second. Let the let the website that you're looking at update with the numbers you typed in. Um, and and then once you do that, you, the confirmation screen will still let you know what price you're about to list at. So you have to make the mistake twice to actually post it mm -hmm. when you're rushing through. Um, but just have a little patience and you shouldn't have any pricing errors of your own. Yep. Agreed. Uh, so I wanted to talk about a couple guys that did have movements in their floors that I think are undervalued and it's, uh, Bogarts and Correa. They're both of their cores. They are, let me pull up now. One of these guys I love the other one I hate. Um, <laughs> But I think that they're both values and I hold both of them currently. Yes, despite hating Correa, I do have a Correa uncommon because I think that they've both come down to levels that you just can't really deny. And Bogarts is sitting at an $82 floor here. Um, you can see this little green dot. He had dropped down to 100. I grabbed one there. I had already had uh, a couple of him. And he was, he was a guy that was sitting up around 130 for a while. And this is not not just in the initial excitement of the market, but he was somebody that held there. And for some reason, both Bogarts and Correa have dipped down substantially below 100. And it's not a super thick floor, but there's enough available there where if I wasn't already invested in both of them, I would be grabbing both of them. And I'll pull up uh, Correa here as well. But I just don't think that these are really making sense given how safe these guys are in terms of baseball players. They are on popular teams. They are young shortstops. They're solidified all-stars and they're likely guys that are going to continue to do it. They're like a little step below like a Mookie Betts type profile. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, yes, they're, they're a little bit on the lower side, but I don't know. What do you think about this? I just think that I just think they're a little undervalued compared to where they stack up with with the rest of the eighty one All Stars. Um, I think so as well. Uh, I think we are starting to see though that um, as the the lull continues, 
if we'll call it that, um, the the all stars that deserve to be in that hundred dollar price range, those are the ones that um, have been taking the most beating. Uh, because the ones that are already at the lower end of the range, they're the ones who are hitting those thresholds where people are willing to buy at any player at those prices. Uh, but the ones that cost a hundred, a hundred and fifty, that that probably are worth it. Um, they've got some room to run down a bit before we start to hit those same thresholds for them. Um, and so I think just being that mid-tier player gives them more flexibility to come down and stay down for a little bit longer um, before someone capitalizes on those dips. Yeah, it's a good take. I like it. Um, but yeah, I just think that it's things like that where there's there's a lot of ways to make comparisons in this project. You can compare cores against cores within a rarity. Um, you know, you can compare from the, the angle of sales volume and things like that. But I also think that when you're just looking at the stack of players and the, the difference from one player to the next, you can make your own judgments. And I think a lot of people do that, especially down in the lower, the lower price value. Um, you know, the guys that are down in the 30, 40, 50, 60 range start to make those decisions of, okay, this doesn't really make sense. And we saw a lot of volume with, um, I think it was Winker this week, his, his uh, floor came up. But yeah, I think that doing your own, taking, making your own gut calls on what you think about the baseball player is that plays a huge role in this as well. And I don't think that that can be stated enough. So, mm -hmm. and I can see that with both uh, Correa and Bogarts. Now the uh, Correa chart is a little uh, more on the impossible side to actually read. This is this at is the true. Moment, uh, with that one of four oh nine. 6,500 sale coming in that opening day mm -hmm. of the marketplace. Um, but I understand that uh, Willa Gruen is working on some options to be able to to scale these charts so we can exclude those type of outliers. Yeah, it, uh, it looks basically like he's chart. free. He's just been free for a really long time. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I think those are uh, definitely two good mentions in terms of their... Uh, skill as a player, not necessarily matching the amount of respect they're getting uh, in terms of their prices. Was there any big sales volume that you noticed in particular that you wanted to talk about specifically on the high-end rarity of cards? Uh, actually, yes. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, we almost teed ourselves up for this last week when we were talking about epic sales and who had sold the fewest. Uh, Aaron Judge's name came up as having only sold two at the time. Um, but at the time of recording, um, we'd actually seen two more sales come through that previous day, pulling him from two to four. And since then, we've seen two more. Uh, so four total epics moved for Aaron Judge this past week. Um, and they were all at pretty similar price points, all in the high 2000s, uh, which is about what we would expect for an epic um, of his caliber. Um, but that does put him um, up to six epic sales total, uh, which is still just a bit below average. Um, across all 81 All-Stars, we would expect there to be uh, between seven and eight epics sold. Um, but where he was sitting before, well below average at two, uh, he's, he's now rapidly approaching the average. And um, that did bring his epic floor up from 2950 to 3250. 
Uh, it remains to be seen if there's going to be buyers at 3250, same way we saw in the high 2900s. Um, but that was a really, really healthy week for Aaron Judge. Definitely. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see the floodgates open, especially, like you said, given the conversation we had in the last podcast, um, to have all those happen so rapidly was was cool to see. Um, so, and another one that, that I noticed was, in ter- so I think was Judge, Judge was the number one epic volume for the week. Is that correct? Uh, yes, he stood alone at four sales. Okay. Uh, just behind him, we saw uh, Liam Hendricks with three. And then uh, Buster Posey and Omar Noveas each had two. Got it. Um, and then I think the the top rare volume was Cedric Mullins at three. Is that correct? I know you have the Excel sheet pulled up. Yes. Uh, Mullins did have three. Uh, tied with him at the top uh, was German Marquez. Uh, we touched on him a bit earlier. Um, but where German Marquez sold three and saw a decrease in floor, uh, Mullins actually saw some positive impact yes. on the three sets that he had made. But it was also, one of them should have been much higher. And funny enough, the three rare sales that we saw were serial 32, 33, and 31. Now, 31 is Mullins' jersey number, which should have meant that it would have gone for, for simplicity, let's call it at least a 2x, right? <laughs> Instead, it went for two fifty, which is currently eleven dollars higher than the two thirty nine floor. So mm-hmm. another situation of somebody just not knowing what they had, and it's unfortunate because if you went into the candy Discord, and all you did was type out, "Can somebody help me identify what this is worth?" One of the first things people would tell you is to look at the serial, and that help is available to people if they would just reach out to the community. Mm-hmm. There's everybody wants to talk about this project. People are excited about it and everybody is helpful. And instead we had a somebody got really lucky and now this is an amazing card to sit on, 250 mm-hmm. for a a jersey serial Cedric Mullins. He's one of the cheaper core guys in the set. He's still sitting at $39. I actually I love Mullins. I think this is a really high upside buy. Um mm-hmm. he's also just a great story and this is also why I'm wearing my uh my my Orioles hat today. But uh, so I thought that this one was interesting, particularly because we've seen some interesting core sales with Mullins in the past as well. We had his 409 of 409 perfect core went for $24 uh, on January 22nd. And then we also saw the, the one of 409 went for 270 And then a couple days later, it's the same one sold for 300, which was kind of funny because when you factor in the fees, it was almost exactly the same thing. It comes out to about 285. So it's just been uh, an anomaly here where Cedric Mullins has had some unique sales across a couple different rarities, and it just stood out to me because I pay way too close attention to all of this. I think you're paying the right amount of attention. <laughs> um, someone who's paying attention won't be listing. Uh, the jersey serial number for the same as all the other uh, prices on that rarity tier. I, I hope not. I hope to never make that error. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, I think those are two good call-outs in terms of uh, high rarity sales, those uh, Judge Epics and those Mullins Rares that we saw. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on before we get 
away from the All-Stars is uh, uh, there was quite a spread this week in terms of the number uh, who both gained and lost value uh, on the price of their cores. Last week, it was pretty much all down, uh, some more than others, with just a few exceptions, with just a couple gains, and that was from those high volumes um, like Walsh that we saw last week. Uh, But this week, it was a much more even spread. Uh, We saw 28 players with an increase in their core value this week. We saw 12 stay exactly the same. Uh, We saw 41 um, with some level of decrease in terms of the value of those cores. Um, And that's a pretty healthy spread. Uh, And that's why we saw not too much change uh, from one week to the next in terms of the overall price, because the amount of gains nearly offset the amount of losses. Uh, And I expect we'll have more weeks like this moving forward with a more even spread between the number of winners and losers uh, from one week to the next. One thing we are doing different this week is uh, we started to keep track of the, uh, the data for the uncut diamonds for those prospects as well. Uh, so this isn't data we had last week, um, and we haven't had as much time to dive into it um, as we collect it for another week or two. Um, that'll give us more time to glean information from it. Um, but we are starting to see some information on those 30 prospects. And um, there's some interesting information there uh, con- to contrast it with the All-Stars um, they they did see a sharper drop-off um, this past week um, in terms of the price of getting uh, one of each core. Um, it was over $3,000 and is down to about twenty six fifty right now. Uh, so for someone who's looking to buy a set outright to get one of those set bonuses that Candy's going to be uh, giving us um, over the next few months... Um, it is definitely a lot cheaper to, to get that uh, uncut diamond set. Um, but that was a pretty steep drop-off from 3200 to 2650 um, And I think part of that is we were starting to see uh, their cores a bit overvalued compared to uh, their other rarity tiers. Uh, and that's probably because we've had so many people who wanted to chase the cheaper set. Uh, and so they were gravitating towards uh, just that cheapest rarity card. Um, but I think it's starting to normalize now. And I think moving forward, we might have um, a gradient between the rarity tiers that more closely matches uh, the All-Stars. Uh, yeah, I think I think that that one was, to your point, that was an interesting one because the cores definitely lagged behind during that initial bull run if you want to call it that and that the excitement of that opening week where Mm -hmm. it was pretty affordable for a while and we didn't quite see the same crazy spike it was more like uh it ran up like the rest of it Mm -hmm. but then let me let me pull one up here let's go to bobby witt yeah this is a pretty good chart to show it so it it ran up like the rest of it, but it didn't go crazy. And then the fall off was much more gradual. And so it did come back down, but really it was, it was kind of like people weren't exactly sure what to do with it. And so it kind of held 
steady once it came back down a little bit and it and it just kind of plateaued for for a bit there and to your point now we're seeing it start to come back down a little bit and i think that it coincided with the announcement about the the reward as well and yeah it's just you know if you get a reward for 31 cards or sorry a reward for 81 cards or you get a reward for 30 cards and one of them costs three or four times as much to do one of those is going to attract more people than the other because it's just fun to do so it's definitely it's an interesting one you and i have both admitted that it's not something we've paid as close attention to uh so i think it's something that as we kind of continue this this slight lull that we're in i think what you and i will maybe our our boredom will will shift us in a new direction of let's let's turn these stones uh but yeah there's still a lot of exciting information to uncover here and opportunities to be found specifically with guys that that people might have uh you know their eyes on the upside of what that player might do in the next year or so and um, the way things are going, these some of these 30 players are going to be the only ones playing ball to pay attention to. Uh, some of them are on rosters, and so they won't um, they won't be allowed to play minor league ball. Um, and that's its own thing. Um, but some of these players they they will be seeing action in these lower levels of play. Um, and so that'll uh, while we wait for uh, MLB to sort its business out. Um, that'll give us uh, some amount of baseball to pay attention to in the meantime. Definitely, yeah. Let's hope that uh, let's hope this week gets something done for so many different mm-hmm. reasons. You know, first and foremost, just being a baseball fan. I want I want baseball as soon as possible. But obviously, for the sake of this project as well, we're all hoping that that we can get to the next the next major events, the pack drops, the mm-hmm. you know whatever it may be. I think that there's a lot in store once we get that CBA signed. Uh, I agree. Uh, not uh, not I, a hot take. Not a hot take. <laughs> controversial. A very yeah. regular take. Um, yeah, so was there anything else that, that we missed? Was there anything else that you wanted to, to cover? I feel like we hit a lot of, uh, of what I'd personally noticed. Uh, Maybe some of our viewers will have seen the information in a slightly different way that didn't really stand out to us. And so if, uh, if any of you watching um, see something that we missed or, or just um, have a player who caught your eye as a, a good value buy, then be sure to let us know. Uh, we read all the comments that get left on every video. And um, that's something that uh, can help us kind of level up our own game if, if we're missing something obvious here. Um, that we should be paying attention to. Agreed. Yeah. If there's something that, that you saw that we missed or if there's something that you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Always appreciate the feedback. But it seems that with that, we are out of bullets. Uh, we appreciate you guys being here. I'm Nate. That's David. This is Talking Candy. And we will see you guys in the next one.